what are you up to on there? Is it raining over there? No. It's windy. Ah, oh, so it's a gross, it's a gross rainy day here. Oh, it's beautiful here. Um, I've just returned from the place of, the, uh, from, the, from the Iron Bank, where we all paid the iron price. I've been watching Game of Thrones again, because I watched, uh, I've been watching Dance of Dragons. Um, House of Dragons. House of Dragons. Dance of Dragons is what the war is, I guess. So, so I'm half right, <laughs> if I can salvage that. But uh, I was watching Game of Thrones again, and man, that's some good couple first seasons, right? Yeah. It's such a bummer. Like, how did they... I would have been happier with them just ending it at six and saying, like, yeah, well, the books aren't out, so we don't know, uh, instead of just instead of bungling it. I've been watching Beavis and Butthead, the new series. It's great. Tell me about it. I've, I don't think I've ever been a Beavis and Butthead fan. That, that style of humor. But I but I also... It, it, it's not fair of me to say that I, I wouldn't like it because I haven't... It, I just... From what I've seen through Osmosis, I feel like I wouldn't I wouldn't be a fan. But I like Mike Judge, right? Yeah, you might like it. I think it's good. They took Brooklyn Nine Nine off off Hulu, and I didn't get to finish it. Isn't it on kind of other? Like what it's else? It's probably is it on? on Peacock, right? What about Paramount Plus? I feel like everything's. Let me see. Brooklyn Nine Nine streaming Hulu. It says it's a lie, right? Yeah, it's a lie. Much like Game of Thrones, this war the this the war of the five streaming services benefits no one we are all you know i feel like a peasant in king's landing during this great war where all the shows that i like are being fought over by peacock paramount plus um disney plus hulu netflix whatever other ones that's all of them. Crunchyroll, hbo hbo hobogo so tell me we find ourselves we're doing this monthly now there's this so many. Weird, it's a weird episode. It's a. It's not I a weird episode. I don't remember where we left off. Oh my god! I know that I have a million. Last time things. we were talking about Cult of the Lamb. We we're talking a little bit about Sunbreak. I would be remiss to not be, be remiss. I would be remiss to not say that that uh, last time we are talking about. I was talking about you know like Bridget came out. I was really enjoying Bridget and how bad uh, the Guilty Gear uh, Strive. Uh, online system is and this has been uh a, a talking point in the show um nearly monthly sometimes and at this point i feel like every time we mention it uh i don't know how many viewers we have but i feel like half of them tune out because they're just tired of hearing it but but i i'm gonna throw the curveball right here and say that what what has got me excited on this on this day on this september the 22nd be with you is that Last month on the 30th, like just before the month was going to end, I got to heaven uh, in Guilty Gear Strive, Celestial t- Tier. You got to the highest rank. For the first time ever after, I guess, like close to two years or like over a year and a half or whatever of trying. And then um, immediately after that, because um, at the end of the month, if you're not in the top 500 um, players, you get kicked out um, and you have to read, you have to re like assert your heaven status again. Um, so. So you're I, in the top five percent. That's apparently what it is about, roughly top five percent. You think so? That's. I mean, I'm. Just, oh, for for heaven, if heaven you, players. If you, if you believe the number one Google search. Oh, like how many people are in? in the Celestial? whole system is insane. It's impossible to know where you stand in this game. It really is. Well, there's ratings update, which is a a. I mean, it's not perfect. It's a out of game resource that. Um, tracks your win rate against other people and assigns you like an actual elo, um, and that is, I guess, a little bit more 
like that's tangible like that's what that's what players are going off of in in large part is like going off of like this like you know ratings update that is uh like tracking your wins and, and losses and it also tracks who's using different accounts um so you could see if someone like a lot of pros like say or, or like say jam for example has like you know 40 different names that he uses so if you are fighting Terry Typhoon, and then you're like, hey, what's the deal with Terry Typhoon? Why did I lose so bad? Then you can go onto it and see all the other people who, uh, all the other names that Sagem uses. Um, uh, so, so yeah, uh, I've always complained about this system, but much like a rich person that uh, that complained, that, or much like a poor person that would complain about uh, rich people not paying taxes and suddenly having a ton of money and then thinking that like well now i benefit from the system or or the way that socialism works where where every person every boomer i know uh is uh terrified of the word but cannot wait to collect social security which is massively socialistic um i benefit from it now as a heaven player and and now i like enjoy it a little bit uh i'm not saying that like that any of the complaints are remedied but a, a couple of the really cool things that, like, getting to heaven, um, there stops being any, in my mind, a lot of the pressure goes away at that point because the, you know, when you're playing on the floors, you're trying to rank up, and then there's this horrible, horrible uh, uh, experience of doing your placements to get Which to heaven. Which we've talked about a million times. Yeah. So, so those are stressful, but once you get in, you're good for the month, and... You can just keep playing, and there's no real downside to losing. You can't get kicked out once you're in. So, so that kind of takes away any sort of it. The game stops being a. It it ceases to be about like a. It ceases to kind of be about like a number rating, or as much about like an elo, or like I have to rank up, or I have to keep grinding, and starts to be way more about like I'm I'm in heaven. I can play like the best people ever um, as much as I want, and it's time to get better and learn the matchups and learn what I'm doing wrong and play against these top people. And until next month. Until next month. Um, and it's been so cool. Like I've been play- We've been a uh, 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 friend of the show got into, and uh, we've been playing. Uh, Ryan Galloway, thanks Ryan Galloway, and Bumper for the YouTube music. We use the intro and outro. You can get it off the new album, Pop Songs 2022. Um, we, so we've been in, uh, in that, and that's kind of what I've been spending a lot of time doing because it's just been, it's been really, really fun. And, uh, I've gotten to fight a lot of like pro players and lose to pro players. And we've been on like, you know, the other side of streams for content creators or pro players. And it's just very exciting. You know, it's, it's, it's really, really, uh, it's, it's really exciting to be at that tier and like playing with other people it just like gets me super hyped for the game so i've been enjoying um guilty gear a, a great amount okay yeah the system still sucks you're wrong it's a, it's a great system. system when you get up there just it, exact it's exactly like the the parallels that i drew it's a great system when you benefit from it but yeah Why, it, but there's also players that you're missing out on right I mean, there, there's another problem with it. I mean, the the other, the, so also, the other is, once isn't the skill disparity too high? Yes, in heaven. Yeah. So that's the that's the secondary. That's the problem. So we've always complained about the floor ten point five thing. This the other side of this coin. The other problem is that the skill disparity in heaven is pretty wild because you're you're getting the people like like me who are people who like 
struggle to get in heaven um and i'm not that amazing and i'm not um like the the super tightest player and i'm not um you know playing eight hours hours a day and learning them and i'm not perfect with these matchups so i feel almost fraudulent when i fight people who are you know have put in like 10 times the amount of hours that have been in heaven every single month and pro like you're there's no the the game stops um differentiating anything at that point so yeah so you can be someone who either first of all so here's the other like you can you can fake get into heaven um you can yeah well once you have one person in heaven you could just bring everybody else yeah so you so so you you just need to find like if it if our friend group wanted to we could just boost each other into heaven one person gets into heaven and then you could have a completely yeah yeah effortless time of letting the other person in by just losing to them six times um so there's so there's that so there's people who can you know get in and be barely you know struggling to get in and then you're getting in and you're and like there's there's that all the way to umi show literally umi show who who i've seen before in lobbies um is the best guilty gear player probably in the world right now has won the the last couple majors they've been to so so it's still a shitty system because heaven is too too wide reaching and at that point like what's the purpose of even having an elo system right When, when the skill disparity is is that high like wouldn't it be better if there was no system at all yeah, I mean, and it would still the, almost benefit completely from the old traditional ways of doing things, uh, which is just a sh- like a straight up elo that keeps going upwards. Um, it also would be a system like I, I think all fighting games benefit from um, character independent rank ratings. Yeah, but if you're saying that the thing that's good about it is you once you get there, you don't have to worry about your rank, then my argument is then do away with the whole system like the whole thing sucks. Sort of, yeah, but 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 it's it's nice. I, I guess like the the weird benefit is that you if if you're able to scrap by, then being able to get in a lobby with pro players and fight pro players is really cool. And so then I, just have a pro like an area for like people who say that they're good, just like be able to classify yourselves as being like really good, and then it just puts you there. Well, I think there, there has All I'm to saying be. is the system sucks, and if you don't think the system sucks, then you're wrong. There's benefits to it, and I benefit. That there has to be. I mean, there. I, I think that there would have to. You. I, I don't think you could do do away entirely with any sort of rankings. Um. Then you would just. Then it would be worse because then. Then you. Maybe. Then. I. I mean, if you go do away entirely with rankings, you almost have like what you have in like Valorant right now, where if you have enough Smurfs, then you have this thing where everyone is almost at the same ranking in unrated because. It, I that, mean, I'm at the same rating as Zach, and Zach is diamond. I, I, I'm in fact, if one game session is enough to go off of, I'm, I'm better than Zach. I'm, I'm above diamond one. Empirically, so right. by the transitive property, um, you know what I think? I think we should talk about new games. All right. Uh, because we've played new games, so why talk about old games? Um, so, so let's talk about some new games. What is something that you've played? Because I have a ton of things. I played Immortality, or did I play it? Did I experience Immortality? This was, uh, this is a... This is a Sam Barlow game. So Sam Barlow did her story and Telling Lies previously. It is an FMV game. Uh, it is kind of a, if you, calling it a game is kind of a stretch. It is, it, it's more like an interactive film in a way. So essentially what you are doing is 
you play a role like you are somebody who is scrubbing over footage of this one actress. I forget her name, but essentially there are these three movies that never released. Marissa, Marissa Marcel is this actress. So three movies that never released. You're able to go through clips of the movies and you interact with them by any time that you click on an object on screen, it brings you to another clip. So at the start, you don't actually have access to everything. You have access to a handful of clips. And in those clips, you could click on anything, pr practically anything. And it will show you another clip in which that object is represented. And there's my understanding of it is and and it's worth noting that the three films and, and sort of the thing that makes it interesting is that the films came out, I think, 1967, 1970 and 1999, maybe. But the thing that makes it interesting uh, at the surface is that in all of these, Marissa Marcel, the actress, uh, did not age. So, all right. So they're trying to figure out why she's like the mystery is. Why did these films never release? Why is this woman the same age? And why has she disappeared? That's interesting. Are you, what are you playing? And You're playing this on, on Steam. Are you playing this on, on your Game Steam Pass? Deck? This is on uh, Game Pass, oh, okay. actually. Uh, because this is a game that is probably best enjoyed with other people. Uh, so I've been playing through this with friend of the show, Kevin Cruz, uh, going through this. Because it's very weird. And it's also very, it's very creepy. There is some hidden mechanics to this game that once you discover them kind of change the way that you digest any of this footage. And I, I, I think that that is worth exploring and it's, it's, it's pretty good. Um, I, I don't, some people have said that it is uh Sam Barlow's magnum opus. Like this is like his best game. I, I would argue that all of his games are exactly the same. So Ultimately, if you like any one of his games, you'd probably like all of them because they're they're all the same thing, but with a couple of different. Essentially, the way that you interact with the game is different, but all the games are the same. So in her story, you interacted with the game uh, through searching keywords, through transcripts. And in this game, you're selecting it. Uh, I, I would recommend this if you have Game Pass because, you know, it's Game Pass. We love Game Pass. Also on Game Pass is another new game called Tiny Ken which you might be into because you've played some games like this that are pretty similar. Uh, so Tiny Ken is a Pikmin-like game. Oh, I love Pikmins. Where you are playing as this little dude, this little scientist who essentially wanted... You are from a faraway planet and you want to understand uh, where humans first came from. So you are teleported to Earth. However, you are very small. And you are exploring this household, but you are very small and you have the help of Tiny Ken. And similar to Pikmin, they all have their own unique abilities. Some of them are strong. Some of them can interact with electricity. Some of them are explosive. And it, this game is somewhere between uh, Pikmin and Banjo-Kazooie, where it is a real collect-a-thon of you're trying to collect all of this stuff that's going to give you access to new powers and abilities. And once you have those new powers and abilities, you can then explore more stuff. Uh, pretty good game. It's, um, it's very chill. Like there is no, 
Like, as far as I've found, there's no combat. There's no, like, time mechanics. It is pretty much like you're exploring, you're chilling, you're solving puzzles and platforming, and that's it. So if that's your jam, if you like the way it looks, then uh, check out Tinykin. I might, but there's so many good things right now. It's insane. It's on It's on Game Pass. I know, and but even not on can, Game Pass games. Right? You know that you can inter- you can get Game Pass on your Steam Deck and then just have access to an extreme library of games, including uh, Skull the Hero Slayer, uh, which I've also been playing, but also not a new game. Uh, Skull the Hero Slayer. I played Slayer. this in Early Access, I think. It's 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 a roguelike, right? It's like a pixely two D roguelite. It's like it plays like Dead Cells, um, but essentially what it is is you are playing as a skeleton. Uh, throughout the runs, you're finding different skulls, and the skulls are identities of different monsters uh, that completely change your kit. So if you find the head of a mage skeleton, you can like charge up this powerful fireball, and then you have access to mana. Uh, that alone is not your skill set because you're also gaining access to uh, special super abilities and access to artifacts, um, which are passive abilities that if you collect a suite of, give you new abilities. So maybe you collect a couple of like, oh, you have like a 10% chance to freeze targets when you hit them. Or one of them would be like, if you get hit, you freeze targets. And if you get both of those, then you unlock the absolute zero ability, uh, which is going to give you access to other cold related abilities. So this is a roguelite that is all about stacking synergies together in order to get those god runs. It has, uh, I think it has a great look to it and it has great music. Um, The criticism that is regularly put against this game is that your ability to get through a run is highly, it's random, right? Like some of the skulls are better than other skulls and that's gonna change their, you know, your ability to get through the run. Um, I would argue that you get a lot of choice in this game about what to pick up and the shops are very generous. So this game is actually not as random as you would think. It is more about uh, being smart. Well, it, it's it's really a game about information, right? All roguelites are a game about information because it's not about the individual items you pick up. It, it is really about the synergies that you create. So the more knowledgeable you are about the synergies that exist, uh, the further you're going to take yourself. So even an underpowered skull uh, with the correct synergies will lead you down, you know, a, a good path. I, I think you might dig this game. It's on Game yeah. Pass. You could just, you know, well, I have it Game Pass. I, I, just check I, it out. I still own it from uh, on Steam anyway. Yeah, give it a try. It's probably great on Steam Deck. That's all I've been doing. Loving you're the Steam Deck. Steam Deck games. You're playing Steam Deck games. So you're playing, uh, sh- I know you're playing Strive. You try that out on Steam Deck yet? I have not. I, I, hear I, that, I, uh, I have really sh- thought about it, though. Did you hear that Strive and uh, Cross Tag Battle are coming to Game Pass and they're launching with crossplay? Oh, that's excellent. So that's actually going to bolster those communities. I've been actually really wanting to get people into playing Blaze Blue Tag because I feel like now that that game has um, crossplay, it is severely underrated. That game is so good and so fun. Yeah, I, I think that it's my it's my favorite tag game next to. Uh, Second, maybe only to Ultimate Marvel. Yeah, I would love to. I would really love to play Ultimate Marvel again, because just because it's, you know, it's busted as hell, but I had so much fun with it. And I think I could jump in pretty quickly and remember Magneto and stuff like that. If that were on Fight Kid, that would be a big win. That would be awesome. But but I'm not. But I do remember that game having 
uh, such bad net code that we would meet in person because it was really the only way that we could comfortably play Marvel together. I mean, any game can be revived. People are, uh, Rev 2, Guilty Gear Rev 2 has been getting some Steam updates and there's a little bit of buzz of it getting rollback. I'm surprised it hasn't. Um, I would play Rev 2. I think that like uh, the friend of the show, Galloway, and I like kind of want to play Rev 2 a little bit. So I've been learning some Zato uh, Rev can 2 you, stuff. Well, so that game does have rollback, right? Rev 2 does with, not. Or that's Accent Core. Just play Accent Core. Yeah, Accent Core is Accent so Core goddamn might. good. Accent Core is an amazing game. It is incredibly strong. The cast is really good. It's a little dated, but it's a little dated. But it is. It is a. It is a really terrific game. Or maybe try out Cross Tag. It's actually um, the game that you, we wanted DNF to be like that kind of chill fighting game, like a wind down fighting game. I actually think Cross Tag Battle could maybe. I you know I've been playing so many fighting games and I, I'm like it's it's a bummer the DNF. Uh, worked out the way it did because now I'm I'm itchy for a new one. I'm, I'm playing so much Strive and I love it, but the the two like obviously um, uh, we have some major fighting games coming up. Tekken Eight was announced and there's a trailer. Looks good. They're not that coming up, but it's yeah. not. Well, I, it's really not coming up. I mean, like there was a trailer that like the art style for it looks good, but that's as much as we have. And it's you know Jin and Kazuya will be in it. Like surprise, Jin yeah. and Kazuya will well, be in it. So you're not gonna go for this, but another f- you're not. But another game that I've really wanted people to play, and it's on Game Pass, is Power Rangers Battle for the Grid. You're right, I won't go for it. But I've heard really great things about it. Everybody who's played it says that it's awesome. Yeah. I said I also like part of fighting games is is like liking the character you are, liking the aesthetic, and I don't know if I can get down um as much with that. I, I wish we played more Blaze Blue again. I was we were I, I was recently playing Blaze Blue again with uh, with John. We could play Blaze Blue. And I'm down for Blaze. I'm and, always uh, down for that game. It's I love the, my, it's my, the, it's my the best fighting game. It's the I, best fighting game. Um, but it, it's a bummer that it worked out the way it would be. It, it, it did because we're so far away from Street Fighter Six, and that's like I, I guess Street Fighter Six is from what I know coming out like quarter to in 2023 which which oh that would be a dream imagine even then that's like that feels early right in q2 imagine that that feels like it's early too i I I would i just wish that one thing that always that drives me crazy about fighting games at up leading up to their launch is lots of closed beta tests or allowing pros to like constantly they should just you know what i would do if i were them this is crazy just put the game out in early access yeah yeah I completely agree. Just put it out in early access. I completely agree. I but like if you could, I, I if they put out Street Fighter Six right now, and I'm I'm I I don't know why they wouldn't do it. Like I I feel like it's a, a fantastic idea. Put it out right now with basically no characters. You could put it out right now with like just a a, a sloppy build with Ryu, Ken, Chun Li, Guile. Like you know, just just put it put out like a really really early build, and people could just play with those like with like four to six characters and uh just get in all the time that they want i I don't know but i i I guess some of it is it it makes sense because fighting games more than a lot of other games um live and die off of that big initial surge um if you get like a ton of people playing in the beginning and you get enough people hooked and the uh matches are fast and the skill discrepancy seems fair then you get people hooked and uh i i think that i guess it would make more sense from a business decision to hold off until you have that big, you know, they have a big roster. Um, the, the roster's already leaked. It's like 18 characters, something like that. They have a pretty good roster. That they're, they're covering a lot of the bases. And 
I think for Capcom, it makes more sense to get the mainstream to say, like, Street Fighter Six is coming out, and here is a big initial roster, and everyone, a lot of the people you like, Blanca, yeah, Honda, are there, versus Blanca, early Honda, act- those are the ones. I mean, I... I mean, I, just, I mentioned the other ones. I'm excited ones. for Blanca. Jur- Blanca jury is cool. jury is there, so so everyone's everyone should be happy. But the it, it does, yeah, I can see why it doesn't make that much sense. It makes sense for you and I, of course. Like we just, I just want to play whatever the current build is of it. And for other people, you want that big, huge initial surge. You want like you know four million copies sold or something like in the first two weeks, and, uh, and to like say that and like have like this great online system with tons of people on it, but. Uh, it, so yeah, we're so it feels so far away from fighting games right now. A lot of the fighting games we have are like just getting content. Uh, Melty Blood's still getting content. Um, Guilty Gear's still getting content. Uh, so yeah, uh, I've I've been wanting uh, a good a good fighting game. Yeah. I've been playing some other stuff though. Yeah, tell me about what you've been playing. Uh, so I, I there was a there's a couple games I want to mention, and they're they're so good. They're so great, and I, I haven't good. been hearing that much great. I haven't been hearing that much buzz about them, despite how how just clean, how how just completely well developed and and just your chance. Over, overall great they are. So I want to just I want to mention some of them. I want to mention Hack first, which I guess that's how you say it. H A A K. This is from a new studio, Bling Game, a Chinese studio, and this game has been swallowing, like unfortunately, has been like swallowing the time from the rest of the games that I that I've been that I've been trying to play. Um, and it's weird because it's the least unique out of the other out of these games. Uh, Hack is a is a hand drawn uh, neo noir post apocalyptic uh, Metroidvania game. It's two D side scrolling okay. Metroidvania game, and nothing a lot nothing that I've really said so far uh, should should greatly differentiate it. Um, I, yeah. I like I like Metroidvania games um, in general, but. This is just for like a br- for a brand new studio and like a Patreon, I think, uh, and uh, a a like more budget priced game that's out on Switch and Steam right now. This game is phenomenal. Like I I, I think it is so well developed. What, what uh, makes it work for you? I, I so uh, in a in in the the quickest like most easy sense. Like I mean like aesthetically, I really love it. It has this amazing hand drawn style. It looks great. Like the the main character has this cool look to him. Um, the story is basic but a- enough to go through, and the world is like extremely fleshed out in this interesting way. It the world almost comes across to me like a two D. Um, uh, Metro twenty twenty three or Met- Metro twenty thirty three. I'm I'm forgetting the number, but um, uh, it almost comes across like that. Like a a the the world has kind of failed and it is post apocalyptic and you know it's just bounty hunters hanging out in like dreary sure. bars and there's like you know broken neon signs and wastes and like dust storms and stuff. So like the the aesthetics of it, I think all look fantastic. Um, from a metroidvania standpoint though uh it it is like one of the best playing 2d games i feel like there's a lot of 2d games that that uh do combat in weird ways or make me feel weak or uncomfortable and it's stuff to do with like you know when you walk too close to an enemy you get hit and then it's like positioning enemies or getting close enough to hit them without being like hitting getting hit for standing near there's there's all these little like sometimes there's these little like inconsistencies in 2.5d or like in 2d games and metroidvania games where that make the game feel less satisfying but like the combat feels 
fantastic. Even from the get-go, I think it feels pretty good. Um, you just start out with, like, you know, regular attacks and a dodge, like a, a, a really quick invincible dodge. And it it feels great. And then all of the upgrades so far... Uh, oh, yeah, and one of the, 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 the... Kind of one of the main selling points of the game is that like with the main tool you kind of get in the beginning is a grappling hook. And I think grappling hooks are really fun. Obviously um, you use it for like traversal for it's your like ranged attack. It is like a huge thing that about like that you're constantly using. Um, and all the upgrades that you get are very, the, the game uses them in really good ways. And they're both like combat and exploration oriented. Um, some like something the Metroidvania games can sometimes do a bad job with um, items or like upgrades where maybe you just see a you know big metal door and you don't really know what it is and then you learn the ability like a punch that breaks through the door but it's not that good in combat and it's kind of more like an exploration tool and it's a binary thing of like you used to see these doors and you weren't able to get through them and now you can get through them but not a lot else has changed whereas in hack the uh all the abilities i've gotten are like really just movement and combat oriented and also open up rooms and the other thing i would say is that the uh the areas use those abilities in such interesting ways and they don't forget about the ability it's really cool the way that it um, kind of weaves everything together constantly. You don't get that thing where an area gets a new ability, you use it a couple times, and then you're never going to see it again. You you just you start having these like rooms, and a lot of the rooms almost feel like um, a sort of like Mission Impossible thing, where where the room has you like you know dodge a laser and then jump up and then use like a da an air dash and then a quick fall and then like grapple to this thing and it's all very quick and like satisfying movement it just feels great i've i've been it's been hard to play anything else because i've been so enjoying that so much and there's also like a ton of side stuff in this there's a ton of like little collectibles and a lot of reason return to the areas so i've been having a great time with that so that's that's hack i've been playing that on steam deck um, I think it's pretty budget, and it's a new studio, yeah, and it's my, out on Steam, too. Or, or, the, out on, uh, the, the thing that I always look for in um, Metroidvania games is, uh, and you told me that Hack doesn't have this, but I really like when enemies drop things. So, like in Castlevania, Aria of Sorrow, uh, there's an opportunity, like when you kill an enemy, there's a chance that they drop their soul, and then you can like use their soul to you know, summon the enemy's ability. Like if it's like some sort of like fireball goblin then you'd be able to like shoot their fireball and things like that yeah. that's what i'm that's what i'm usually looking for otherwise i i find them like, that's fairly uncommon like, for for metroidvania but that is a really cool like i agree with you that, that is a, a super dope gameplay mechanic well that's why i don't like the genre yeah Except i i, I do choice but, but i i can understand i can understand why but for people who would like like i i think that for people who are into metroidvania and especially since the last time i really kind of played a metroidvania was metroid and it was not good um was the recent metroid and it wasn't really good this is like scratching all that itch like all those itches and it's like really uh a it is far above being competent it is like a fantastic playing and feeling and looking uh metroidvania so i've been playing that a lot of that a lot of that i was playing before that i was playing the awkwardly named um anno mutationem um that came out a little bit earlier this year that came out march 16th it's a it's got this amazing it's got it's also got a really cool style that is a it is a like 2.5d 
And this um, is not related to the other Anno games, I assume. I don't think so. Um, I it's, doubt it's, it. It's a 2.5D um, uh, game that is like semi-Metroid. It's not really Metroid. I wouldn't really say it's. It's more like an action game. It almost, in combat, it almost works a little bit like Devil May Cry-ish, um, to, uh, uh, where you're usually fighting a lot of enemies, and you have like really fantastic feeling combat. Uh, it, this is we, another we, game. We call that action spectacle. Action spectacle, yeah, sure. That 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 makes a lot of sense. So like a two point five D action spectacle. Um, the world is uh, uh is like rendered in three D and you can move about it in three D. But the characters are all this like I guess if you look up this style, you might um, be familiar with it. But I but uh, uh we were talking about this last night. Um, high. I, I think people are calling this high bit now. Um, sort sure. of like a little bit like hyper light driftery where it's pixel art but like super smooth and larger you know it's pixel art but it's super smooth larger characters and um not not like kind of sometimes we also would call this like a chunky pixel uh game um so this this has got like a fantastic look um the story is a little confusing you're like this girl who has a virus that is that is kind of unknown and you're working with like a scientist like a fringe scientist to figure out what is going on with the virus but you also have this bizarre backstory where you might have been like a um uh uh, uh science project kind of like that you were okay, like, created so in a lab you um, were the experiment you were the experiment um it's just a, it's a really cool it's like it, it is very cyberpunk um it's it's uh futuristic flying cars uh it's got a really just it looks fantastic and it plays really well and uh i've really liked the kind of like there's been these like big dungeons and uh uh traversing them is is great the combat feels very good the the bosses have been very satisfying they're like uh just a lot of it does really remind me of a 2.5 like a 2.5 d um devil may cry uh, just think about that. You have a gun, you have swords, and there's also an RP. There's also RPG elements to it that are kind of light, where you're you're able to swap out different weapons. So uh, you have like a light a light weapon, a heavier weapon, and a gun. Um, and I've gotten like you know a grenade launcher, a missile launcher for the gun, uh, pistols for the guns. Um, I I have like a Darth Maul sort of like two double edged sword thing that like breaks apart into um two hand two different one hand swords so there's there's some really cool uh weapons and it, it's a really it's a really good game I, I i hope to return to it but a hack has been uh stealing all my time and then the last game that i that i i've been really really excited about um uh that i i i want to give it all to do when i'm done with these other things or uh is taiji um and taiji is the witness exactly like the witness and i've played like around two hours of it um and so, I'm, I'm liking it so, so far. I, i've seen a little bit of this it, it is more like a it's it's not first person which is really is important because perspective uh meant a lot for the witness do you do you feel like this game is maybe too close to the witness oh it is it is like i mean there's reviews that that one of the first reviews on steam really sums it up nicely and, and says that if this game had a philosopher talking during it it would just be the witness it is this is a uh this is a pixel this is another pixel game um but this is a this is that top-down style pixel art game where it's completely flat it's 2d 
and um, you're, uh, it's not side-scrolling, and you control the character while you're walking around, but you also have basically, like, this fairy cursor thing, um, and I think it will probably get to the point, even witness where you're seeing the puzzles in the game as well, but it is completely, like, even the areas remind me a lot of the witness. You're going down, it is, there's, there's no one else, you're kind of on this magical floating yeah. island in the sky there's there's no one else there it's completely serene and quiet and you're going to these like different areas there's like a there's forests and like a broken down factory and as you're yeah. going around you're solving puzzles and each area exactly like the witness um each area will have its own style of this is like a puzzle i i, I failed to mention that this is like a completely a puzzle game um and each area will have its own style of puzzle so you'll usually go to the area and then there's something going, you know, there's a puzzle and you're not really understanding like the mechanics of why, how to solve the puzzle. And then maybe you troubleshoot it for a little bit or, or go away and come to go to a different area. And then once you kind of figure it out, they keep playing on that mechanic and then you'll see it elsewhere, you know? Sure. Like, it's so, the same thing so, in- so my question is, do you feel like this game is worse for being just a sort of like a, homage or ripoff or whatever you want to call it to the witness. Do you feel like this game, you you would perceive this game differently had you not played the witness or had the witness not existed? I guess that's an interesting question because some of the appreciation for it is the fact that I, the witness is a game that has really kind of never left my mind. And I think about it a lot and I, I often want to replay it, but I don't know if I have had enough time in between and i also and it's also one of those things where you can't really play it a, a second time um because some of the wilder stuff and like the the world itself having puzzles i think um won't be quite as like you know spectacular but uh part of it is just that this is not a a, a game i i i'm not i don't think that in the two hours that i played like i i don't know if i could fully answer that question but i'll say that this is not a common genre of game if, if, if you if if someone likes the witness that's this style of open world puzzle solving serene um and it's a really it really is a it really is a specific type of style because there are some games that do that like open world puzzle stuff but they they don't, they don't always do it open world and they don't always do it in this witness way when, when you and i played the witness i remember how much we had to write down uh, like kind of meanings to things or answers to things. Um, find out that like a certain color means something or that a certain pattern means something. And then that would like Metroidvania style remind you that you've seen that pattern elsewhere on the island. And, and now that you have that information, you can use it elsewhere. So this game doing that, uh, I think makes you almost, it, it, it feels similar to... Like maybe when you're starting a genre that you really like, and it's and it's doing it where you, it it makes me excited. It's like I'm I want to get the pen and paper out again. I I want to you know troubleshoot at a puzzle for a long time and then figure it out and then be like, oh my god, I I realized that I could go back. I've seen this type of puzzle before, and now I can open this door that I couldn't open elsewhere. Um, so. I don't think I certainly don't think that it's going to be the case that I'm going to play this and say, oh, this was this was better than The Witness. Um, but this is not a genre that appears a lot, and I don't think that people who like The Witness are you know getting inundated with games like The Witness. And this pays like fantastic respect to it. I think it's like it, it's it's been 
it's really cool and it just it just it should just be on any everyone's radar um if they if they like that kind of thing i think this was done by one person matthew vanderver um which is even more a reason to to check it out uh uh but but it's it is really cool for people who like puzzle games obviously if you like the witness like it is very much exactly the witness okay that's good. good I've been playing a bit of Omega Strikers. Not a lot. I've played maybe an hour of it. So this game has had a lot of marketing on Twitch. I know that there have been a lot of people who are uh, like sponsored to play this game. Uh, there is also an, a competition in the game right now where you choose your favorite content creator and you like the team that like the the content creator whose team gets the most wins goes up like levels or whatever. But Omega Strikers is a free to play early access sports hero game. So think uh, Lethal League meets Battle Right. Exactly. Wow. So it is a 3v3 sports game, a 3v3 sort of soccer game uh, where one person plays as a goalie. You have two forwards. Uh, you have four abilities, one of which is an ultimate ability that you have access to all the time, uh, but is on a longer cooldown. Wow, so this game looks addition, great. So in addition to trying really cool to... Style. Yeah, also I think that Lily Pichu does a voice for it, and Dyrus is one of the, the content creators. So in addition to uh, just trying to score, the other thing that you could do is you can use your abilities to uh, reduce the enemy's health bars to zero and kill them. Or if you knock an enemy into the wall, uh, you kill them. And then they will respawn after like five to eight seconds. Uh, throughout the match, there are also orbs that spawn. You could collect the orbs and those will give you stat increases, which will increase, I believe, your health pool, your damage, and your shooting speed, possibly. And that's pretty much the whole game. Uh, it is very bare bones right now. I think that it has a lot of early access jank to it. And it's also a bit floaty. But I think that it's a good concept and it's free. Can I so, Can I get... I, I'm not entirely sure. Is it? Is it... It's 3v3, but are you playing with friends or you're controlling... Oh yeah. You're jumping back oh, between... you're playing with friends. Okay. With friends. So, yeah, teams of three. You play one person. All right. Yeah, this, this game's got a really cool style. It, yeah, it's got cool it's characters. It's, and it's very fast to play. Five minute game. Neat. I would check this out. Yeah. Why not? Right. Three. And it's on Steam. What else? And have you played? it works on Steam Deck. This is. This looks like a good Steam Deck game. So, a couple of things. So, uh, last week or last month, I talked about Monster Hunter Sunbreak. We've gotten to the end game of that, like the very ultimate end game, which has only made it better. Uh, now we have access to all of the new event quests that are rolling out every week. They're coming out with new quests. Um, they're doing these massive title updates every month. We're about to get uh, three new monsters and a new tier. Do you know them yet? Of... Or We do. We do. They are the Flaming Espinas, the Violet Mizutsune, and the Risen Camellios, which is a Camellios that has defeated the Blight, which is like this... Uh, the There is essentially like this disease that is afflicting monsters that is causing them to be more violent. And the Camellios is the first monster to overcome it and become more powerful. And we think that this is alluding to a more uh, brutal tier of monsters, which we'll release later. Uh, the endgame crafting, it's really good this time around. 
Uh, there is essentially like a system where you are adding random affixes onto gear, uh, which which essentially means that you can always be crafting better and better gear. So this is essentially like saying, hey, this game is never going to end because you could just keep crafting better and better gear because it's randomized. So very cool. And in the next title update, they're also adding um, uh, layered sets for weapons, which essentially allows you to take a weapon and make it look like another weapon. So essentially just like further elevating the fashion part of Monster Hunter, which is like half of. So dig in the Monster Hunter Sunbreak. Hell uh, yeah. Out now on Steam and works great on Steam. Really good on Steam. I was playing more, uh, I was, last week, uh, or last podcast, I was talking about some of these, like, Vampire Survivor kind of games, um, I don't know. So, if yeah, have... these, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I had played, like, 20 Minutes Till Dawn, um, and That's at the one. time I wasn't loving Vampire Survivor yet, it, like, it hadn't clicked, um, but you do get to a point where you unlock enough, I, it probably happened when there's, like, a, 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 you you unlock um like perks out like as you're playing yes. the game you unlock these like perks that uh that work and probably one of the biggest ones or the or like the big one is duplicator um because once you yes. get once you get that like the game becomes the game um and uh up the time you know the last time we we're talking uh I hadn't gotten to where like the game like force kills you around like thirty minutes right like the like the uh, a de- uh death just comes and just Im- immediately kills you. Um, but man, when you really get to, uh, like, it is so satisfying. It's so understandable why people love this game because I spent so much time, uh, playing after I had gotten this unlocked. And then it was just, once I got duplicator, uh, it it just, it was like, just so enjoyable. It, it, It is so awesome after that because you're just instantly kind of popping off. And then you get to the end of the game where you are, like they're spawning like tons of boss enemies, like just thousands of boss enemies around you, and you're just walking around, and anything close to you is vaporizing. That's such a good feeling. So I, I just I want I want to say that I probably end up liking that a little bit better than Twenty Minutes Till Dawn right now. Um, uh, I wish there were an easier way to search for these because I feel like they don't have like a genre yet. They don't have a genre yet. What and what, I don't even know what you'd really call them. I I think I'm starting to see people call them like a bullet hell. Like they, like they, you know how they get tags. It's like it becomes like you know bullet hell kind of thing. Like I I don't even know what you'd really call them. Like I I, I they're bullet hell to some extent. Um, I, I, are they like time survival? Like they're I, I don't even uh, survival doesn't work because that's a different thing. But it's like you know that's the wording of it. Or like yeah, is I don't it like know. horde survival? Sur- survivor sort of like, like. <laughs> yes, like horde survival kind of thing. Rogue roguelite horde survival. I don't know. But um yeah. So that's uh I I I, I kind of finish my time with that i feel like i put in enough time and i got to uh see some like crazy crazy stuff and unlock tons of the characters uh so so i uh, i was really enjoying that um yeah well if you're looking for another roguelite to play i mean the one that i keep telling you to play is gunfire reborn which uh recently came out with dlc so the dlc for the game added in two new characters uh which are both very unique um one of them is a so Let me talk a little bit about the whole thing first. So in addition to the two new heroes, it also introduced Gunfire Reborn is a is a first person shooter roguelike, which is really uncommon. It is uh, Borderlands meets Hades, like is the is the best way to think about it. 
Um, way more on the Borderlands side. Like, this is straight up, if Borderlands were a roguelite, this is what it would be. Have you noticed um, how inter- it, it's really interesting to me that, that now when people talk about roguelites, uh, I, f- I, I hear people say Hades light, which is like so weird. Um, even in sometimes it is, like, it is more of a Hades light than anything else, but, but I don't, but, but Hades I think is that, a roguelite. Uh, yeah, I think that it's also interesting because a lot of the things that wrote that um, Hades uh, popularized with the mainstream, uh, which is uh, the meta progression, um, where outside of the run you're constantly getting more powerful. I feel like that was more of a rogue legacy thing first. That's but, but that's, what, that's say, exactly what I'm saying. Is, is most yeah. roguelites have? I mean, that's what makes it a roguelike and a roguelite, roguelite, not a roguelike. Is that? Is that there is some form of meta progression, and that that's not a you know I don't I wouldn't Hades is phenomenal. It's probably one of the best, if not the best, of that genre, and that's why everyone knows it. But it's not doing anything phenomenally different, you know. Like it's not there, there's nothing about it that's like Hades light. It's Dark Souls gets its name like or Dark Souls like games or Souls like games get their name because there really wasn't something like that before. Demon Souls, you know? Yeah. But whatever. So, I digress. So I'm going to tell you, I, I don't know if I've talked before about why Gunfire Reborn is maybe the best roguelite, maybe the best one. Whoa. Uh, some people would say, I mean, Hades. For, for me personally, I'm a big fan of Enter the Gungeon. I think Enter the Gungeon is maybe number one. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, I do like this game more than Hades. I, I think that Hades is maybe a better game overall, but I think that this has better gameplay. You know what I mean? I think Hades is the full package where it's got the story. It's got the amazing music, the amazing voice work. Great aesthetic. Uh, thematically, it's yeah. just uh, wonderful. I like the gameplay of this better. And I think that this game has longer legs than Hades. I could, uh, someone played Hades for a thousand hours. I could say, I would say why. Uh, but if someone played this for a thousand hours, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense to me. So the as you play through runs, so you start off the game uh, with one character. You start off with this cat. Uh, the cat has two abilities. The abilities are it can throw a smoke bomb, which poisons people. And it has a time stop ability where it throws a time stop orb and it freezes everything in it. Uh, very Borderlands style abilities. Um, as as you complete levels, you get access to uh, passive abilities. Uh, and you don't get the same passives every run. It presents you uh, three options out of maybe around 20 per character uh, that you have to choose between. So one of them might be uh, your your time stop orb now has two charges, or you deal 40% extra corrosive damage, or every time you deal elemental damage, increase all damage for X amount of time. So in and of themselves, especially for the cat, it doesn't start out very interesting, but there are also passives that you're unlocking that are uh, character agnostic, such as instead of firing from your ammo clip, you fire from your reserve ammo, which could be really special for some characters because that essentially means uh, you never have to reload. And if you're a character that's using something like a rocket launcher or a two-shot shotgun, then so- suddenly the whole run has changed for you. I-, I think one of the amazing things that Gunfire Reborn does is it boils down these god-run combos that you love in roguelites. It boils them down sometimes to just picking up two items. 
where if you find these two items, the run will get out of control. And then you find a third, and then you find a fourth, and you just keep getting and then more a fifth. insane. Uh, uh. And more insane. I thought you were and, and as you are playing, you're unlocking new characters uh, with completely new uh, ability, not just abilities, but also passives. So the second character that you're likely to unlock can dual wield, which totally that character is going to totally love a different class of weapons. Or one character can enter a like a supercharged electric mode where the first shot they deal in this mode will deal like a thousand, two thousand times the amount of damage. So essentially you could play this character like, okay, this character may be their like the sniping character. And so this new DLC introduced two new characters, which is I, I think the original roster was six, now there's eight, and it also introduced four new weapons. So the weapons are really interesting. One of them is a, and I won't discuss all of them, but one of them is a set of flying daggers that you send out and it and just does your dirty work while you can do other things. So that's really interesting for some characters that are more ability-based, where they really want to find this weapon so that they can just focus on casting their abilities while their weapon is kind of doing its own thing. And, and one of the characters that they released uh, does just that. But the other thing uh, that makes this game really special is that similar to a Diablo or similar to a Borderlands, uh, the weapons have different affixes of different rarity levels. And the legendary tier affixes, the, the orange tier affixes, uh, can be weapon specific. And there's more than one of them. So that means that every weapon in the game of which you're unlocking a lot, there's tons of different weapons, have different legendary versions of them that are acting differently. Uh, so just like the mixture of these combinations, the characters that you're playing as, the weapons that you find, the scrolls that you find, the ascensions that you get, and not to mention that once you get through the game uh, several times and unlock several difficulties, they introduce another mechanic to further complicate the game, uh, which is uh, set bonuses, where as you uh, pick up passives that match each other, then you're getting these extremely powerful set bonuses. All of these things working in concert uh, can just lead to this really addicting experience of, I want to have another crazy run where something happens and I get out of control. And it, it, it has really satisfied the, the guns feel great. Uh, they sound great. The music is kind of lame, but I feel like it, it, it's not that it's lame. It's it's very generic, but I feel like this game has everything else kind of kind of going for it. a good mix of enemies. As you go through the diff difficulty levels, you find enemies that similar to like a Diablo or a Borderlands have affixes on them. Like this enemy is vampiric or this enemy empowers its allies and things like that, that uh, change up the gameplay. And uh, yeah, if you like roguelites or you like uh, the Borderlands style gunplay, uh, this is a great game and it, it keeps getting updates. This is it. This is its first paid expansion, uh, $7 for the two characters and the four weapons. Uh, but otherwise, all of the content updates they've been providing including balance patches. They're taking the meta of the game seriously. Otherwise, it's all been free update. It's really impressive. Oh, yeah. 
Any questions about Gunfire Reborn? No, I played a little bit of it. I do want to play more of. I do want You've to play played more thirty of it, minutes. That's that's yeah. nothing. I know. Um, there's some cool games that came out today too. There's Potion Permit that you were excited about. That looks like it's calling itself like a life sim. It almost looks like it could be it's like fishing. It it could it could be like a Moonlighter thing. It's more of a. I hear it's a Stardew Valley. Okay, Stardew Valley. Like similar to a Stardew Valley. All right. Um, so that game looks good. It has a really cool uh, style. And then there's a game that I'm I'd interested like, in. I'd like to see some better reviews for it. I mean, it doesn't have a lot so far, but it's 80% positive rate. Um, uh, with the biggest complaint being that you cannot remap controls. Ooh. Um, and then No Place for ba- Bravery uh, was a game that I'm... It's a, another one of these pixel games that I'm somehow inundated with. It is a Souls-like pixel game and it just looks really good it looks like it's just like it's just a satisfying and cool aesthetic uh for it and, and it, it it's it has pretty decent reviews right now uh too so maybe it has, we'll it needs it needs better reviews right now it has 11 reviews on steam i know and it's mixed Uh-oh. i know but it, it says mixed but when i went to it it's mostly just good i guess it's just that it's so low for them for the most part there's just not a lot of reviews yet it must be yeah, hard. Well, be- I mean, you could sort. You could see it's 17 positive reviews, uh, seven negative reviews, but none of the negative reviews are written in English. They're oh. all written in Chinese. Weird. Um, I wonder if that's like some sort of bot thing. Like, uh, it's it's weird because there's these games like Anno and Hack and Taiji, and there's all these really great games, but it, Steam doesn't always do a great job of surfacing them. Um, the way that I usually kind of tr- deal with Steam or upcoming releases is that I just keep looking at like whatever, like the new, what's like the upcoming popular upcoming games. Um, and I just check that frequently. Um, and then I'll check like, you know, new and trending. But outside of that, if you're not getting a banner for it, you know, like these games, it's so easy to just disappear. There's so many good games that come out. And it's kind of a bummer thinking of uh, these games that I'm talking about, Hack, Anno, and Taiji, just the, like they're, they're great. I think that they would be on a lot of people's top fives uh, for the year. Um, but, but they kind of, if they don't come out and they're not popular for some reason or another, or like don't get like a lot of buzz from like the mainstream yeah. press, then they kind of disappear. And there's so much always coming out on Steam. It's hard to imagine, you know, how, how they would get found by by people if they're not in the, when, it, when they initially come out. Like, how does No Place for Bravery get found if it doesn't get some some positive reviews on, like, Polygon or IGN or something, you know? Yeah. You want to talk some board games? Uh, tell me about, about board games. We played, we played Oath recently. We didn't play Root, but we played Oath. We played Oath recently. Everyone won. Everyone won. Uh, it is hard to remember almost what happened uh, without checking the book. So let me grab the uh, Oath book. All right. So for those who might not remember, Oath is kind of a legacy game, isn't it? Isn't it? It's kind of a legacy game. So essentially the game start. it's a board game. Uh, it's made by Letter Games, who most famously produced Root. Uh, but Oath is a legacy game. It, it It's hard to explain or articulate exactly what the gameplay of it is because I feel like more than any other game, it almost feels like an open world adventure game, which is like ridiculous. It really feels like you go your own kind of doing your own thing. Yeah. But not really those things anyway. Yeah. The real star of Oath is the deck of cards, which consists of six different uh, families of cards, which are, you have like the beasts, you have the the nomads, the homestead, the arcane, the discord order, 
all of which have different like gameplay variables going on. But ultimately, all of the systems of Oath are about telling a story, a story of a, a land or a kingdom that these different cycles sees a it, it is uh, some Game of Thrones. Shit. Yeah, I was going to say it, it's kind of Game of Thrones. Um, you're you're with one much, person with, with great art with with like the most fantastic art you've ever seen in a board game. Yeah, uh, one person is kind of playing as the king. The king can also like knight people into becoming citizens for the and, kingdom. And similar to Game of Thrones, uh, the the king is not always effective. Yeah, I mean, well, the king is also not like helpful, or they're just kind and of holding onto their rule. Um, and they're not always uh, trying to do the same. Like like uh, different kings will have a different type of purpose, but ultimately they're just trying to. Uh, hold on to the grip that they have. So in the first game, uh, you were in exile and eventually rose to rule. Uh, but the real key of the first game that we played that night uh, was the roving terror, which is this monster that just goes around the map and eats uh, characters. And and the reason why this is really important is because Typically, an oath, when you put a card down, it's there, and there's no getting rid of it in most cases. It's it's hard to remove a card. So the fact that there was this monster that just kept going around and eating things uh, was a real problem. In fact, he almost ate my steed, uh, <laughs> which was my favorite card and was a, a running character, uh, not just for this game, but for uh, the game that we played even before this one which was uh, over a year ago. So in the next game, uh, <clears throat> you were the ruler, uh, and John became... He, he found a crown, uh, which made him the Bandit King. And the Bandit King's power is that he rules over lands uh, that are not contested by any player. Any player that... Essentially, any land that is not controlled by a player is ruled by the Bandits, and because John found this special artifact, he became the Bandit King, and he ruled all of those lands, which was really important because the win condition in Oath changes uh, often. But in that particular game, and, and the win condition in Oath can also be different on a per-player basis in a single game. But the win condition in this game was to hold the most territory, uh, which John was able to do. However... With John owning the most territory, he became the the chancellor for the next game. And I was a citizen because while John was a it, it was it was a very weird situation of when John was the bandit king, uh, he created or he created sort of these slums very, very far from the kingdom, as far from the kingdom as possible. And the slums is where I hung out and started a cult and just started sacrificing people to the cult uh, to gain more and more power. So I was using that power to keep the king at bay while John was the bandit king taking over the territory. Into the next game, uh, I became a citizen, and through some insane, bizarre means, uh, you also became a citizen. So then it became the situation of it, technically... It, really, it was really just a play that was just the funniest thing I could do rather than being effective. Because we then we created yeah. a situation where where every there there it was the first game we've ever played where there was no exiles 
it was everyone there there's the king and just citizens so it's like how do you even win at some point like you can't really there's not really wars as much going on it's just like subterfuge yeah so so then it just became um so then uh everybody was just trying to have the most relics so i love the idea of everybody was like all right so we're all friends with the bandit king now let's take all of his shit now let's just now let's just dig up as much artifacts as we can to wrest as much power from the land as we can because at this point the true ruler of the land isn't who can control the bandits it's who has the most stuff and yeah, really cool. I, I just love the way that 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 played out it really is like the oath is great it's it's not the best uh game to play uh i don't think it's like the most fun game um and it's not really necessarily always about creating a uh an engine or, you, or doing you don't something feel cool. smart when you win you just yeah. feel like you saw something cool happen yeah it's it's really more that it is just constantly a vehicle for stories and how everything is so dripping with lore. Just the areas are all named cool places and everything you're doing is like you found a horse and rode it to the, win the hinterlands and started a slums and had a cult and sacrificed people to the cult. And like it, it comes across like it, it's it's less about it to me. It's so much less about what happens, what I'm doing in the game and what happens in the game. And this, and more about this sort of kingdom death, uh, dwarf fortress kind of rim world. You you look back on it when it's over, and you're like, oh, it's kind of interesting when you think about it. Like John found a bandit, uh, this crown, and it created this story where like he won. So retroactively, you you look at it like he he controlled all the bandits. He controlled so much territory. It was no, there was no way to stop him from controlling territory. And he became like a, ba a bandit king and everyone's yeah. excited about just how dope the bandit king is. And they're working on the an expansion and... of this too. Oh yeah. You know that? I did not know. Yeah. That. Interesting. I wonder, how, I wonder see... what the expansion would give. Right. I but also What would it want? Uh, other than like the, the obvious lazy thing would be more cards. Um, but I don't, I don't even know if that's, uh, like what people would want. Because we haven't even uh, seen all could the be, It could be a different board. I don't could know. be a different board. I, I guess we'll see. I, uh, I, I, could, could be. I could see Ooh. I could see more locations being... Ooh. Or maybe this isn't necessary. Variable player powers? I, I, I thought... I've, I, I Obviously, I considered that of like maybe... Except that I feel like the, the cards that you draw at the start of the game are your player powers. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, the they, they could... It would almost be like a, a lazy fan... Uh, like a sort of like a cheap uh, fan way of getting people excited that I don't think that they could bounce that like Cold yeah. World could balance <laughs> to make it so that the the like you know oh the foxes have a unique ability and like the blue shade people have a unique ability. So so here's the thing is I actually I don't know what they would add because I am not a game designer. And Galloway said this funny thing yesterday of like, you guys play board games. Have you ever thought about designing a board game? And it's like, absolutely not. I have no idea how board games should be. I don't even know. I can't even tell you what makes a game good or bad. Sometimes a game just is good or is bad. I don't know why. Yeah, I thought I thought it was so funny. Uh, like it, it is so much like it, it is. It is. It's so funny. It's like it's it to me. It's like a parent or something saying, oh, you love video games. You love video games so much. You play them all the time. Why don't you, you, you should be like, 
you should win at like seeing an esports thing. You should be winning at League of Legends. Like you play enough League of Legends, you should you should be one of the best people in the world. Or like, why don't you just make your own video game? You like video games. Like you should know enough about them. Like no, there's so much that goes into. There's so much. First of all, there's so many. There's so many people creating board games. There's so many people. There's tons of people who are playing and board games and playing play, way more. You than, know, like think about the people who own board game shops or live next to board game or. Uh, their friends who play board games aren't 400 miles away. Yeah, you know, they're playing it every day. These people are more likely candidates. But I will say that I am getting closer and closer uh, to building a board game group. And once James has it's built the board, game, the board game Pittsburgh group, then I can the end build of us a board all. game. Uh, I played some board games recently because I went to a board game meetup. So I played Skull. Have you played Skull? Oh, this is the roguelite uh, pixel art. Oh. Simple. It's a. It is a bluffing game. No, I. Yeah, I know you're talking. This. This is a pretty cool game too. It is the simplest game. It is the simplest game. I feel like it's just a drinking. It's like a drinking game. Like you really should have alcohol with this game. Yeah, I'm not even going to explain how it works because it's just so simple. It's a bluffing game. So I played some of that to sort of like loosen up with the group, Uh, and then someone brought to the table. It's a wonderful world, Uh, which when I looked at it on its surface and after playing it, I thought, I don't know if I liked that game. Uh, but the more I think about it, the more that I do. So I don't know, what what do you call a game where you take a cube and then you turn it into another cube? Uh, that's like, a, is that engine? is a genre. Yeah, that is a, I mean, that's it's like... It's an engine builder. It's engine builder, right? Like, I mean... It is an engine builder. So It's a Wonderful World is a dra- It is exactly this. It is a drafting engine build. That's full stop. That's it. You are taking cubes so at the start you choose a country the countries have slightly different abilities you take cubes you turn them into other cubes this game sits directly between splendor and terraforming mars if you said i really want my friends to learn how to play terraforming mars what you would do is day one you bring them into splendor they play splendor they learn a little bit about engine building day two you bring them into It's a Wonderful World. It's a Wonderful World introduces them to engine building and drafting uh, with slightly more complicated materials. And then day three, you bring them into Terraforming Mars, uh, which is the best of these three games. But that doesn't necessarily mean that It's a Wonderful World is worse. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it's funny, right? Because I'm saying Terraforming Mars is a better game. But what I'm not saying is that uh, It's a Wonderful World is worse because It's a Wonderful World is a really important game for you to have in your collection if you want to onboard people into these more complicated games. So It's a Wonderful World onboard Game Geek has a weight rating of 2.3. So essentially, you are trying to build a more complicated machine. Uh, you are... So, so let me put... So let me also talk a little bit about the set dressing of you are creating a civilization. In my civilization, what I did is there are five types of goods. There are or five types of engines or five types of uh, card types. They are in this order, industrial, war, financial, science and exploration. And you are building archetypes of cards to eventually uh, create others. So, for example, um, I first built uh, the Lawless Land and the Roadrunner. So these were two cards that helped me up my exploration, but gave me negative financing. So this meant that I was able to generate blue cubes while while not generating 
yellow cube. And then with these blue cubes, I was able to eventually get Roswell going. So, and so I love the idea of in the Lawless Lands, there were the Roadrunners. The Roadrunners built a Zeppelin and used the Zeppelin to come across Roswell. Once they had Roswell, they were able to explore even more and they were able to use science. And by using this together, the Roadrunners from the Lawless Land in their Zeppelin were able to get to a parallel dimension. So the, the set dressing there is really fun. And as you play, gets more and more bizarre. Eventually, using science and entering a parallel dimension, uh, I was eventually able to find superheroes. Uh, and that is sort of like the progression of this game of I turned where that's sort of the thematic progression. And on the table, I had white cubes that turned into black cubes, that turned into blue cubes, that turned into green cubes, uh, that turned into war heroes. That sounds cool. There's some cool board games. I can't wait to go to PAX Unplugged. I hope I play some of these, especially looking at what's currently popular. I love that that uh, on, on Board Game Geek, that the number two of all time now is uh, Brass Birmingham, Brass Birmingham, because for me, that's justice. I feel like that's justice. It is a great game, but it is also a very Cones of Dunshire game. It's it's slightly Cones of there, Dunshire. There are some insane rules in there. It's mostly... And that game, that game is so hard. It is impossible to teach because there are such tiny nuances in that game. I don't think I think you're slightly overrating it. I think and and if I remember correctly, I think Lancashire actually has some worse, wonkier rules. But yeah. There's... So the other game that I've been obsessed with, I haven't played it, but it feels like I've played it <laughs> is Blood on the Clock Tower, because I have been watching Blood on the. I watched a two hour playthrough today while I worked. Yesterday, I also watched a two hour playthrough. And the day before that, I watched an hour playthrough. I cannot get enough of this game. So I was introduced to this game because I was on Reddit. I've been trying to find board game friends. And I saw someone talking about trying to get a social deduction group together. They made a post two uh, months ago. So I DM'd them on Reddit and I was like, hey, were you ever able to get a social deduction group together? What can you tell me? So he was like, no, I wasn't able to get one together yet. But I did find a Pittsburgh group for Blood on the Clock Tower. They don't play other games. They just play Blood on the Clock Tower. And I was like, all right, that's weird. What is this game? So you also were familiar with this game, but it is I was because apparently... uh, Shut Up and Sit Down actually really likes Blood on the Clock Tower. This is uh, a glowing review. Yeah, this is a social deduction um, in that same so... kind of like One Night Ultimate Werewolf and uh, uh, what, what are other? Why can't I think of the other big ones that are we're like werewolf or just werewolf? Because this game is not a one night. This is a this is a over, happens over many nights. Um, so I, I think the, the thing about this game that sets it apart, so there's a couple of things. So this is a social deduction game where if you've played like a secret Hitler or something like that, or a werewolf, there is a team of good players uh, who play townsfolk and outsiders. And there's a bad team which plays uh, minions and demons. And then there are these other roles, which are travelers and fabled characters, which I'll get into. So in total, uh, there are a hundred roles in this game, uh, which is really daunting. Uh, imagine trying to think about there like being, oh, I have no idea what anybody could be because there's a hundred roles. Luckily, that's not the case because uh, for the most part, this game uh, works in scenarios. And essentially what the scenarios are is they are an isolated group of roles. So for example, there is, let me just 
pull this up for sure so that I there's like a wiki here that I could get to blood on the clock tower wiki. Uh, so the first one that they introduce you to is trouble brewing. So trouble brewing only has one demon. You always know you're dealing with an imp. It has four minions. So it's, it's really important that you know, like if there's a hundred rolls, that's way too much. Like everything that's happening at that point is totally random. But with, with uh, trouble brewing, you know, there's only like thir there's 13 townsfolk, four outsiders, four minions, one demon. So you always know that no matter what, there's an imp in play. And, and you could kind of work around the powers. But the, the thing that makes it interesting, a couple of things. So first off, when you die, you're not out of the game, right? Like that's the worst thing about these. When you die, you're not out of this game. Uh, you are in this uh, magical town uh, where people can regularly commune with the dead. So that's, that's always going on. The other thing is that this game has a storyteller. So the storyteller is kind of like a dungeon master, and the entire purpose of them is to facilitate uh, the game being interesting. So where would that happen, right? The reason why this ha the storyteller is essential is because some characters uh, get misinformation. So for example, there is a character called the drunk. So the drunk player thinks they're a townsfolk. So the drunk player might think that they're an undertaker, or they might think that they're the virgin or the washerwoman, uh, but in reality, they're the drunk. And that means that they, the power they think they have is not a power that they have. So they could think that they're the virgin, and the purpose of the virgin is uh, if somebody accuses the virgin or nominates the virgin to be executed, the nominator instantly dies, unless they're drunk, in which case they don't drive. So stuff like that. Uh, have you ever seen any playthroughs of this game? What are you thinking about this game? Uh, well, so I, so these things make it really interesting to me. The idea of like being a storyteller and, and people getting to live through death or communicate through death. Um, because if you've, because I think you've played like, have you played Secret Hitler? Oh, we've played tons of Secret Hitler. It sucks to die in that game. Yeah. You do nothing after you die. You you can get up and walk away and just wait for the game to end and. And, and I think that the role of the storyteller is like so exciting and interesting. And, and also uh, this game has a really, really robust online component where when you're playing online with this game, uh, there are like different rooms that you can enter to talk to people on their own. So like the minion and the and the and the demon can like try to like find a moment where it's like free for them to go like scurry off and talk to each other. You could sort of start to take notes about like which players are, are like trying to pair off and talk to each other. What information do I have? Am I a drunk? Can I corroborate uh, what's going on with other people? And what is the storyteller trying to, because you, you get information like there is a, a chef in the game and the chef can find out like, uh, they know the chef knows if evil players are sitting next to each other unless they're drunk, right? If they're drunk, they might receive misinformation or they might receive good information. But essentially, like never knowing uh, forces people to talk. I, I think that what you want out of a social deduction game is you want people to communicate. You want it, you, but you also want it to not just be gamified. Of like, we know this person is this and we know this person is this. Therefore, we can, you know, by rule of elimination, figure this out because there is misinformation that's introduced by 
a DM by the storyteller who just wants the game to be interesting and wants things to play out like and, and everybody to have fun. Uh, it, it just makes for so much more spice where you're seeing all of these interesting things happen. So one of the minions, for example, is a spy and the spy gets to see at, at every single night. The spy sees everything. They see the grimoire. They see everything the storyteller knows. But the players can be aware that there might be a spy in play. So every little bit of information that they hear, they have to question it. And I just think that that's so fascinating. And I'd love to try to get this together in our group. Maybe see how many people we could pull together uh, to play this. It'd be nice to try uh, it back. I think that it would be. Yeah, that, it would be very, very easy to get this going at and there are people who just love being storytellers who are just like always looking to do a story tell. So you could just grab one of those people and uh, make it happen. And it is a very popular game to play online. I would play it online. But it, but, but uh, like Galloway said, it, it wouldn't lose a lot of that. Like it's easier to lie or, or like you lose a lot without just being in the room with someone looking at their face or. Well, you also do need webcams. Without webcams, playing online would kind of be shitty. All right. But who doesn't have one of those, right? I don't. Everyone has a webcam in the in the Zoom era. Yep. So how about that Overwatch 2? How about that Overwatch 2? They got a, a character that looks mad out of place. And there was a lot of, like, hatred because you have to unlock the characters now. Oh, uh, yeah. They're in, like, the, they're in a free right. battle pass. Um, I still, I, I continue to not really, I, I, I want something like this, and, and I remember how much fun Overwatch was in the beginning, but it also feels like I, Overwatch 2 will never be what I want it to be anyway, because people have been playing for years, and I think jumping in now, uh, it would be kind of unfun. Like, there's people who have been playing, like, you know, what is it now, like, seven years or something of, like, Widowmaker or something, and just make it non-enjoyable well, all. Overwatch was fun because there was no meta. Yeah, and as and, soon as the meta gets in, introduced, the game becomes. And it, and it's not even it, Overwatch was fun in the beginning, be, exactly because of that, because there was no meta, because you just picked a character you wanted, and you could have doubles, and there was no concept of and triples is best, but you, there's no concept of what the meta was, and now that's so far gone. Um, even in in this current state of Overwatch. There's like, you know, what is it? One tank, two DPS, three attackers. That doesn't sound right. Two attackers, maybe? Because I think it's it's not even six players anymore. Now it's five players. I think that sounds right. One tank, two two healers. Or is it one tank, one healer, three DPS? I don't even know. But one, yeah, there's... One, ha one tank, one two hank, supports. Two DPS. Two DPS. Um, yeah, every... I mean, just like it's always been, everyone wants to play DPS because those are the most fun. Um, and uh now it's even more regulated and i don't know like i i've wanted this like i've wanted something like this for a little while of like a little bit more wacky and wild and party like no matter how many times people will call valorant a party game it certainly isn't and if you're not playing well you're, you're probably not enjoying it that much like it valorant is very much you know yeah, it's not even if you're not playing well if your team, yeah, I mean, if your team if your is like not playing well, you could have a screwing up, time. and then you can just ha then it's just like okay, I don't get a chance to fight. Um, speaking of just some interesting things about Valorant, there's a new season in Valorant, and nothing came out for it, which is such yeah. a bizarre to me, one of the most insane ball drops of all time for Riot. In, in insane, the, the, Valorant is their their as far as I know, like it's their their second 
baby, right? Like it's 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 something that that there is fantastic esports scene. I I feel like they're making money hand over fist and uh that it, it is I think got... it's less I think it's less lucrative than teamfight tactics though. You think so? I'm I, I'm not yeah. sure. I would that would be interesting to 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 look at the 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 data. But you know, it it's it's a pretty beloved uh franchise and it's their second major franchise right i mean it's like not league of legends teamfight tactics and <laughs> uh and why can't i think of the oh, card wild game? drift obviously is their second most yeah prob- probably wild drift yeah um but th- they have other they have other games but this is their second big ip right and well, sure and it, and it is doing well it's inarguably doing well um and yep. and it's just weird to me that so so in the beginning like I, I remember there was a patch where where they came out with icebox and sky and it was too much for them to come out with because they were going to come out with a character every single major patch or like new new major act or whatever it is and then there's like the episodes um so they stopped doing that and they start if they said like you know it's going to be one major thing it's going to be a character or uh or a map and the the most recent thing there was nothing and it and 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 it was weird because instead of it even being Okay, we made the it, it it is we're not coming out with a character, but we're making a major patch to, you know, decrease the uh, benefit of being laggy on swinging. We're we're making a major patch to maybe they're going to add a new gun or rebalance things or completely rebalance all the characters or the characters that aren't doing well. And there, there was nothing. It was like it was there's nothing at all. It was a, there was a crosshair update and that was it. And it's weird because it, it just. In a game like this, it's not at that uh, critical mass or like that, that that league is where league almost doesn't need things a lot of times because there's so much to do. It it still feels like like I want there to be new characters, I want there to be new maps, I want there to be changes, and it's really weird to go into a new season with nothing. I almost like forgot that there even was a new season going on. Um, so that was weird. That was that was that's really really weird. And then there was there's other problems. There's we ran into like this funny goofy thing that happened with our friend group where um, we've like like uh, I've been playing with like two other people in the friend group and uh, unrated is is a mess and it's been a mess for a long time. And there's a couple issues like we've talked before about about smurfing, which is like it's it's a common enough problem, but it's always not it's not always that big of a deal because a lot of people who smurf anyway aren't that good at the game. Um, but there's, so there's smurfing people, you know, like new accounts that are playing, you know, inordinately well. Um, then you have issues like there's not a lot of people try less in unrated, you know, there shouldn't be that much of a difference between a rated and unrated. It's still a game at the end of the day. And none of the people I'm playing with or in any of my ranked games, like are going to make it pro, right? Like no one in gold is making it pro, but um, and in rated, you have this thing where people just want to surrender right away. You you lose you lose five mat five rounds in a row. Even if you guys could have the most crazy comeback, uh, people just you know are broken morale and no one's really talking. And you don't get you get a lot less of the strategy happening in unrated. It's a lot more people do that dumbass thing where you say you know like hey could you not die at the round start please or like hey Omen could you smoke off these areas we're trying to um you know attack the site and then someone answers with like it's unrated bro and that's horrible answer so we so we had a really bad night of all these games where we were surrendering because people were just people our teammates wanted to our like randos wanted to surrender and 
we were getting into games with like level two jets that are you know getting 17 kills and like no deaths and they're just like unbelievable and we're getting into games where we're winning and then the enemies surrender right away like you can't even play out the games that you're winning so we're like you know what i and also i'm on i'm on uh i'm on medication now for anxiety so like i almost don't have i almost have like zero ranked anxiety anymore so i was like you know what let's just play ranked let's for the first time ever it's like you know what uh, like let's play ranked we can probably get better experiences and we did we actually really did the the ranked experiences were amazing uh uh I think they were really, really close games. Uh, we were we were mostly getting pa- paired up with uh, people in platinum um, in the beginning. So when it come when it came out when when we when we uh, we played five ranked games, one of the people that I play with was already rated silver, which was a big problem. And then uh, we played our five. I played our my five unrated unrated games, and I got like gold two, and Galway got gold one, which is lower in in this game, um, and. I think we had like two wins after that, and it was so weird because you could see what your MMR is now. You could see like how close you are to ranking up. You used to not be able to see this, and I'm I'm in gold two, and you have to get to gold three, and then place out of gold three to go to platinum. And while I'm in gold two, I win one game and get like ten points out of a hundred. So I'm like you know at fifty, I go to sixty to get to a hundred. I have I go to gold three. Then we win another game and I get like 15. And then for whatever reason, it like ranks me out of gold two into platinum three. Oh, so you skipped. So I, I, I like had like multiple. I, yeah, I had like a skip, a complete skip. And it was really weird. And the more shitty thing is that it placed me out of playing with friends. So I can't like like a, a platinum can't play with a silver, which feels like shit. And it's really unfair. And so you're not. Pr- so, so it sounds like you're not proud. Well, no, because I, I don't I don't feel like I I was in, in the five unrated games in the five games where I was unrated and we were playing against Platinums. I, I was doing OK. Uh, Galloway actually like mostly did better than me in most cases. Um, I, I would say like overall did better than me. And it's, so it's weird to me that I got placed in gold two and he got placed in gold one. I know that there's some algorithm things on dependent on the characters you play. I think that like it slightly under rates um duelists because duelists have like abilities that get them kills a little bit how do more we, how do we know that um th- 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 this was like a, this has been a big complaint this was a big complaint for a long time in valorant's history because uh people who were playing controller or sentinel felt like they were they were they were um getting lower placement because they on average score less kills and in the while you're in the the, the way that the um the out the valorant algorithm works when it's placing you in the first five games you play, uh, when you're unrated, it takes a way higher account. Less, it cares less about wins and losses necessarily than it cares about your individual performance. And I guess that there is an algorithm behind it that uh, is a little bit more recent because in, in when the game first came out, it uh, overrated duelists who would get more kills. And there was so much complaining that there was eventually, like, uh, uh, I, I guess there was changes. I don't know exactly how they work out, and nor would uh, Riot, you know, explain these kind of things. But they did eventually slightly weight the position you're playing in into account because, like, you're not expected to get as much kills if, like you know phoenix is rushing onto site and then they flash and they get a kill meanwhile you're you know playing omen you're smoking off the site like you're not really your abilities aren't getting you kills so it's almost unfair when it was rating your um your performance alone so i think that's what happened is that like somehow 
it, it overweighted me um, playing the roles I was playing or something. And then uh, the two games we played out after getting gold, uh, I did pretty well. And I think I got like match MVP and team MVP. And then it just like boosted me right out of gold into platinum. And it just sucks because now I can't play with them. So it's created a situation where I had to create a smurf. So it's like almost, it's weird because you, you almost see the whole situation where like, this is why that happens. Like this, this is, it, it, and there's not a good remedy for it. I, I don't know the remedy for it. Like there's, there's the, there's, there's the problem of you, you can have people play, like you can have someone who is like, you know, challenge, like whatever it is, immortal, uh, have friends who suck at the game and the friends want to play and you can play an unrated and it's like, yeah, it's going to be goofy ass, like they're going to have the, you're going to have the jet that is just like unbelievable or have a Phoenix or something because Phoenix is better now. That's just completely winning. Um, so you can go to competitive, but you can't always play with their friends in competitive. And uh, especially when you like, if, if one person was playing really well and their friends are playing worse or, or their friends played a lot of ranked and lost a lot of ranked and they're kind of like hard stuck silver or, or something. And then you go into platinum, then you're not allowed to play with them. So it's created a situation where like, I need to make a, uh, level 20 smurf so i could play competitive again with them until we can get them into make sure that our silver is into gold so we can play again with my main account um that is like that doesn't feel good um but i and i but i also don't know the answer to it um i've long thought that uh that i i kind of wish that valorant would uh that riot would do the thing that csgo does i think we're like as the smurfing complaints or as like the uh, match mismatch the the player skill disparity mismatch comes deeper into play. I, I kind of wish that there was like a thing that CS:GO does where um, you have to have a phone line uh, attached to like a verified account, and it'll put you with other verified accounts. And that way, if you get like banned or something for cheating, or you you can't really make Smurfs as much, you'll have like a verified account that plays with other verified accounts that has to have go through a loophole first. Um, so. I mean, it's not the biggest loophole in the world, but it is annoying, and it, and it would create a situation where it's harder to just make, like, 18 Smurfs and just keep making Smurfs and, stop, like, pub stomping, you know? Okay. Yeah, I get you. But that's a lot about Valorant, especially when nothing came out for Valorant. Yeah, I was going to say. It's a lot of Valorant for nothing. Well, I mean, it, we were playing ranked, um, but that's it. That's not... All right. Those are video games. That can be video games. Thanks, video games. Thanks, video James. Thanks, games. Bye, everyone. That's not how it ends. No, there's more. That you say things about. WTDG podcast is where we are. Uh, at sign Twitter WTDG podcast, where you can uh, follow the show. You know when new episodes go live. Uh, you can find us online WTDGpodcast.com, uh, where you could click on links to the episodes, download the episodes, any of that, or you could find us on uh, iTunes, Spotify, whatever your favorite uh, podcast eating mechanism is. What's the deal with games or WTDG podcast where you can rate, comment, and subscribe to the show? Thank you, Gold, to Ryan Galloway for your use of your music. We use the intro and outro. You can get it nice. off the new album, Pop Songs 2022. 2020. It's 2022 now. Uh, it came out two years ago. Uh, you can find them at at, uh, at YouTube where you can find links to all their 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 merch. I have the shirt. I have the the album. We have nothing good anymore. What, what, I want to return to one of the older ones. What is what is one of the good older ones? We just don't have we it. We just don't have it yet? Okay, that's a good enough one. I don't, don't even know where that comes from. That, that does come from something.